0: The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you have a Bible, open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, we dive back into the the good news of the first Gospel of Matthew. I'm gonna tell a story, Jesus is gonna tell a story, a parable, and we're gonna talk about kingdom purpose. (laughs) Wherever, here's the kingdom of heaven, wherever the king is, the kingdom of heaven has already come. So all of you that believe in Jesus and you have the king of kings and the Lord of lords in your heart, the kingdom of God is already in you. So in one sense, the kingdom is here through the church. In another sense, the fullness of that kingdom is yet to come. And I want to say a special prayer for this message. Father, I come before you. I bring all of my brothers and sisters before you um, that this message. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this message will go straight to their spirit. It will go beyond their physical body. Our bodies are the temple of the glory of the Lord. And, And even deeper than our soul, our mind, emotions, and will, Uh, We thank you for our soul, but God, I pray the word of God will go and penetrate into their spirit. May their spirit come alive. May their spirit's ears hear what the Lord is saying, not only generally, but specifically. May we hear a word this morning that we will take personally and that is from you, that will become like bread from heaven to us. It will give us strength, comfort, encouragement, and hope for the days to come. We ask all of this in the worthy and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, the great harvest and the kingdom of heaven. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So let me set this. Up. What is a parable? A parable is a story, uh, a story of a natural earthly scene that has a heavenly revelation. So I want you to know everything in nature, and in, in not only the earth, but the universe, that God spoke into existence. The Word of God spoke it all into existence. That's the uniqueness of God the Creator. In the beginning God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke it there. But everything in the natural realm is not just you know uh, unrelated to the spiritual realm of heaven. Everything, and I mean literally everything—the sky, the clouds, thunder, rain, lightning, mountains, hills, valleys, rivers, streams, fish, birds, all of the animal creation, let alone humanity. As you look at the natural, the principle first, the natural, then the spiritual. In other words, everything in the natural realm, if you have eyes to see it, is a window through which you can see or begin to understand or perceive something of the glory and the beauty and the diversity and the vastness of the heavenly realm. So that's why Jesus is telling this story about a vineyard. Um, And then in verse two, he goes on, he says, now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, hey, you also go out in my vineyard, work in it. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And then again, he went out about the sixth hour. And he did the same thing, he hired more workers. And then he went back again three hours later, the ninth hour. And he hired some more day laborers and did likewise. And then about the eleventh hour, he went out again. And he found others standing idle. And he said to them, hey, have you been standing? Why have you been standing here idle all day? And and they said to him, because no one hired us. We've been waiting. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. So here's what I want to say about... uh, this parable, this, this lengthy parable is found only in the Gospel of Matthew. It's not in the other Gospels. And Jesus tells this parable, he's telling this story in response to something Peter had said. Because back in Matthew chapter 19, the previous chapter, verse 27, Peter said, hey Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. So what then will there be for us? We've given up everything. What, what are we gonna have in the end? And so he wanted to know what's the reward for those who lay down their lives and just follow the Lord. Jesus said, pick up your cross, deny yourself, come and follow after me. And so that's why Jesus is telling this story about the vineyard. Um, I want to show you a, a few pictures. Vineyards in the Holy Land are mostly planted on terraced hillsides. And actually, these hillsides Are stony ground I mean not necessarily boulders but there's rocks you know about this big and they're they're littered with all these stones Um, and the stones have to be removed it's very very hard work Um, and then they have to terrace on the sides of the hills and they use the stones they pull out of the soil to build retaining walls then they usually don't have good enough soil or deep enough soil so they have to go down below and find some fertile valley to bring good soil and then bring that back up and put it into the new terraced places where the walls are. It's a very, very long day and a lot of hard work. And then uh, every summer, the fields have to be pruned back to improve production. Um, And it takes a long time to do all of that pruning. And then the last task is the harvest time. Now, farmers live their whole lives For the harvest. And it's a the harvest is a very short season. This is what you're going to live on for the rest of the year. So you have to take full advantage. And in a small farm when it's just family, uh, every, you know, boy, every girl, every, you know, sister and brother, every cousin, aunt and uncle, grandpa and grandma, it's all hands on deck. But if you have a much bigger vineyard, if you are a wealthy landowner, very easily it goes way beyond your family's ability. So you have to go out and hire day laborers. Now, here Jesus is saying this is the situation. The vineyard really representing the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that about day laborers, you know, he, we that live here in Southern California and San Diego and we have the border and we have those that are coming across that do many of those day laborer type jobs. It's very interesting that uh, God spoke to Moses about the day laborers of 3,000 years ago with the children of Israel because sometimes they needed day laborers as well from the surrounding places and communities. And in Deuteronomy, Chapter 24, verse 15, God, by his spirit, gave to Moses instructions about the day laborers. Listen to this. He says, each day you shall give the day laborer his wages. Do not let the sun go down on it. In other words, they're hired day by day, and you better pay them day by day. For he is poor, he has set his heart on it, and lest he cry out against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. So it'd be normal for, you know, a big wealthy landowner, hey, look, I'll, I'll make it all good to you guys at the end of the harvest or whatever. And the Lord said, no, you don't realize these, they live literally day to day. So you hire them today at the end of the day, you pay them their day's wages. And if you don't, if you take advantage of them for whatever reason, and they cry out to me, God says, I will hear it and I will be their defender and I'm coming after you. So it was taken very seriously how they were to treat the day laborers. Well, in this analogy, the vineyard is the earth and the, and the kingdom of heaven is literally the kingdom of the most precious crop on the earth which are the seven billion men and women from every continent, from every country, from every tribe, every language, every kindred, every background, every ethnicity. That is what God is interested in. And then he hires you and I, who are now his sons and daughters, to help with the harvest, to go into the fields and to share the good news to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, that salvation has been provided, deliverance has been given, that we can be given eternal life. The landowner is God the Father. The foreman running the operation is the Lord Jesus Christ. The day laborers are the believers, and the reward that you will be rewarded at the end of the day, evening is kind of like eternity, the denarius that everybody receives equally represents salvation. And God gives equally to each and every one. So the, the great harvest and the kingdom of heaven, I want you to go on now to this one. The ground is level when standing on God's grace. So notice this, if God saves you, like I, I got saved at 11 years of age. How many of you were saved, let's say uh, 12 years of age or younger? Let me, let me just see how many of you. Wow, a lot of you. Okay, how many of you really didn't grow up, you didn't, get, you didn't have a Christian family, you didn't grow up in Christianity, and you know, kind of a little bit later, you came to the Lord. Let me see how many of you there are. Okay, a lot of you. So here's, here's the deal. Eternal life that, that is given to us, it doesn't matter if you accepted the Lord when you are five years old, six years old, seven years old, or if you just late in life, you give your life to the Lord, the reward, which is salvation and eternal life, is equal for everybody. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Everybody gets the same eternal life. They get the same reward. And some of the religious community back in Jesus' day would say, well, that's not right, that's not fair. Man, I've been serving, working, laboring, being a righteous guy for a long time, I should get more. But the owner of the vineyard says, no, everybody in my eyes is equal. There was one that that talk about coming to the Lord late, remember the thief on the cross. It doesn't get any more the last hour than him nailed next to Jesus. Actually, there were two murderous thieves on either side of Jesus. One guy's yelling at Jesus, imagine this. He's hours from going into the eternal realm and he's yelling at Jesus, hey, you're a Messiah, you're a prophet and miracle worker, why don't you get us out of here? and he's mocking Jesus, cursing at him really. The other guy on the other side goes, hey, have you seen what's above our heads? They would put the crimes that you had committed, broken Roman law, this is why we're being crucified. We deserve, he said, what we're getting. But then he looked at Jesus and he said, but this man has done nothing wrong. And above Jesus said, there should have been his, the Roman law he violated for which he gets capital punishment. He never broke any Roman laws. For that matter, he never broke the Moses laws or the 10 commandments. He's the only sinless human being that ever lived. So what did they put on the plaque above his head? The truth, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So the thief, in the final moments, before he goes into the edge of eternity, turns to Jesus and says, hey, Lord, he called him Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. I think he had seen of Jesus, heard of Jesus, didn't maybe fully understand it, but he said, Remember, you're a good man, you're a righteous man, you're a holy man and you do have a kingdom and when you go there, remember me. And that day Jesus turns to him. He said nothing to the other guy he was yelling and cussing and cursing, but he turns to that guy and he says, guess what? Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's salvation, that's salvation, that's our God. He's looking for the least, smallest, slightest little crack in the door. And boom, he is in there. And, and here's the thing. The thief on the cross, he never got to join a church. He didn't get baptized. He never wrote a tithe check or helped out with missions or went to growth track or whatever. I mean, the guy didn't do it, you know, anything. But that little slimmer seed of faith, remember me. Jesus said, today... You'll be with me in paradise. And man, you know, whoo, once he died and once he entered into paradise, how happy. In fact, that's one of the meetings. Let's make a deal right now. I want all of us to get together. When we finally get to heaven, the Lord comes back. Let's all go. We, I want to have lunch with the thief that was on the cross. Let's do it, okay? <laughs> Let's spend a day with that guy. Man, and relive that day. So here's uh, what I want you to, to, to ask. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you preparing for eternity i'm going to read verses 9 through 16 to you as jesus continues he says and when those came who were hired about the 11th hour of the day they each received a denarius so they're in the 11th hour they literally worked one hour and they get paid a denarius like the guys that had worked all day but when the first came they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each a denarius And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, Hey, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and he said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things?" Or is your eye evil? In other words, are you jealous because I am extra good? So the last will be first and the first last for many are called, but few are chosen. What I want you to realize, what Jesus wraps it up with is that the salvation of his children and sons and daughters, the salvation that you've received is of equal portion to everybody else. We, we tend to think about there's some people that are, you know, more, they're holier, they're better, they're more spiritual, whatever. And we're down here, most people generally. And what God wants you to realize, and in this parable, what Jesus is saying is you are thinking like men. You do not see yourselves as my father sees you. When my father sees you, it's not like he goes, oh, wow, look, you know, this one is so, and then you're, well, okay, I'm glad you made it. Uh, (laughs) He sees you are full, you know, total joy, complete joy and pleasure to him. I pray in the name of Jesus, and I I speak to your spirit. There are many of us who, who do the wrong thing. We we as human beings compare ourselves with other people we it's a natural human we all do it and you know for me being a pastor so i can look at another guy and god has really blessed me but you can always find wow i can find churches oh, they're much bigger they got a bigger ministry they have greater impact what am i doing wrong or whatever we're always comparing and god is like don't do that it grieves his spirit when we compare ourselves one with another because I'll tell you, like with Billy Graham, wow, Billy Graham, can you imagine Billy Graham and when he gets to his mansion or whatever, and you're like, wow, he's gonna be on a hill and a palace and it's gonna be amazing, and then if we get a little shack condo, that'll be okay, you know, on the edge of heaven somewhere. But the Lord is saying, no, I have something far, I have prepared something far, far greater for you, far beyond your comprehension. And let me just say this, um, you know, how many of you watch, uh, you know, what is it, the, the home the channel where they rebuild houses and do all that anybody you guys watch that at all and and enjoy that and they take this you know nasty house and they tear it down and then they rebuild it and it's like wow the dream home or whatever John chapter 14 verse 2 Jesus said this he said that I am going to prepare a place for you a mansion for you can you imagine the lord actually is going to make a mansion for you and guess what he knows what you like It's going to be designed just for you. Every time you're walking through this, your whole earthly life, and you kind of go by and go, wow, that's so cool, but I'll never have that or whatever. And the Lord says, hey, angel, write that down. (laughs) You like that, huh? Everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever dreamed, everything you've imagined, and even things you didn't know that you would like, that he knows you will, he's put into a mansion. When we get to heaven, the salvation, the mansions, the equality that will, I think that's one of the most surprising things when we get to heaven. It's like, wow, we really are all special. We really are all chosen. We really are all the apple of God's eye. But guess what? I don't think that we have to wait till heaven to find and discover that If the Lord would open your spirit now, you could begin realizing it now. And the beauty of that is, you would not have to compare yourself with other people or judge other people, but you would free to be in joy that God has something unique and special for you, and he's gonna honor all of our other brothers and sisters. Hallelujah? It's a wonderful thing. So, now I consider what I'm about to share with you and tell you today is my highest responsibility As a pastor, my highest responsibility is not just to preach sermons to you, motivate you and inspire you. My highest responsibility is to prepare you for eternity. And I am telling all who listen to my voice right now, a day is coming and and it is as sure as the day you were born that we will all stand before God and we need to be ready for that day and what that day is going to look like. So I wanna share with you a few scriptures and we're gonna read through them together quickly, but I want you to, let's begin reading Romans 14, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So Paul picked up on that, there was a lot of comparing going on. Well, look at that guy's gift, look at that ministry, look at what they have or how God's using them. He says, what are you doing? He goes, look, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat. But then he goes on in verses 11 and 12, and he says this. Let's read it. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I want you to be ready for this test when we stand before God. I'm gonna tell you what the test is and then I wanna give you the answers. And it's found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Let's read this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And then we go on to the next verse. So when, when he talks about this, this great white throne judgment day is coming, and the earth flees one direction, the heavens flee another. It's like time ceases, time stops. You're like, oh, wow, what is going on? And then in the next verse, let's read this. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay, so everybody look up here and listen very, very carefully. There are books, and notice in that passage, there are books. Circle the word books. And then there is a book, a single book. Your eternal destiny is either going to be determined by what's in the books, or it will be determined by what's in this singular book. So I wanna, I'm gonna tell you a little kinda condensed theology class. You know, Bible Theology 101. What's, what are the books? And these are literal books. This is not a parable, it's not a story. This is for real. There are real, m- multiple, plural books in heaven. What's written in the books? You, and me, and everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, Everything that you have ever imagined, every action, every reaction, every emotion, every decision, your whole life are in those books. Everything, nothing is hidden. You know, we live in the most interesting time right now, we got this little little rascal right here, and now they say, wow, these things are following us, they're listening to us, yeah, you wanna give me, yeah, talk about, that's my money clip, I gotta hang on to that guy. But you know, they they say, and people keep getting, you know, it's like, wow, how did they know that? Because everything is being recorded. They see everything, know everything. Well, you think it's any less in heaven? Because here you can only see the outside. But in heaven, God zooms into the mind. God zooms into the imaginations. God zooms into the heart. And apparently everything about our lives, there's angels that write it all down. How many find that a very terrifying thought right now? And then you, you're going to have to stand and give an answer for that. I meet people all the time. They like, okay, so like when you die, you find out you're a pastor. Okay, you're a pastor, whatever, man. Like what's going to happen when you die? Bro, are you ready for eternity? And this, you know, these guys were just go, oh, "Hey, bro, look, dude, it's going to be okay, man. I'm not that bad. I look at other people. There's a lot of people worse than me. And I'm not as good as some people. But, you know, I think um, I'm kind of okay. I'll be all right. It's like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Your whole life is going to be revealed. Everything that is in there, you know, there's no way you can make up for all of that. If you go by the books, you're gonna be lost. Does that make sense? But there's an option. We have another option. You can, you can actually be judged not out of the books, but out of a book. It's one book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. In the books, you have to pay for your sins. Everything that you've done wrong. And let me put it this way, it'll basically take eternity, you will never be able to pay up what you owe and how you are backed up. You'll never be able to pay it off, for all time and eternity. On the other hand, because, because our sins have to be paid for, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and then separation from God. But on the other hand, God says, but I love you so much, I sent my son Jesus to die in your place. So basically, if you believe in my son who died in your place and therefore by his shed blood paid for all the things you failed to do and all the wrong things that you did in the books, then the blood of my son gets spilled on all the record of the books and it literally, the blood of Jesus erases all the things that you did wrong that are in the books. And the only thing left is In the book which is called the book of life your name is written and inscribed as a follower believer lover of the lord jesus christ and that's done the book of life is where you are no longer judged by all your deeds good or bad but your life is judged out of a different book based on what jesus did for you amen so some by the books, some by the book of life. And I want to say this about hell. The Bible does talk about hell. I don't, you know, preach a lot about hell. I know there are some of you that have come from maybe churches, ministries, backgrounds where they talk a lot about hell. You're going to hell. You deserve hell. Have you heard about Hell. You don't hear a lot about that, but look, it does come up occasionally, and we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and I don't dodge it, and I don't hide from it, and if it comes up, I talk about it, but it's not talked about a lot, a whole lot, but I do want to say this, it is in there, heaven is real, and hell is real, but I want to say this about hell, hell is not a place where God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place people, by lack of believing in Christ, choose to go to pay for their own sins or to make their own, you know, I'll judge my good deeds with my bad deeds. But sin has to be paid for. Here's my message to you. Let Jesus pay for it. Let Jesus pay for it all. Amen? Make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And here's what I think, ultimately, I don't know how it's going to be, but, you know, we're all standing in, you know, there's no time, and eventually you come up, and they go, okay, Ray Bentley, and you come up there. This is going to be the question, in one way or another, what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus. And this is not in your notes, but I want to read these scriptures because these are the words of Jesus right out of his own mouth about what he said about that coming day. Matthew 7:21. Let's read it out loud. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Do you know that the religious leaders, 2,000 years ago, came to Jesus, they said, okay, we got the law of Moses, so what do we need to do? What are the works we need to do in order that we can inherit eternal life? And this is what Jesus said, that you believe in the one whom the Father has sent. That's, they were asking, what good deeds do I have to do? He said, this is the only thing you really need to do, is believe in me whom the Father has sent. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that you believe in his Son. Verse 22 goes on. Let's read this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and then many wonders in your name? We did a lot of religious deeds. And the Lord is going to say, you know, that's all well and good, but it's not good enough. Verse 23, let's read it. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus doesn't say you didn't do enough good deeds. Jesus doesn't say you weren't religious enough. You weren't spiritual enough. He says, I never knew you that's all it is when you get to heaven you want to say i believe in jesus in other words here's the answer to the ultimate question when you stand before god in the great white throne judgment i gave my life to jesus amen amen Amen. let's say that out loud let's practice shall we i gave my life to jesus that's the answer that's the answer But now, for those of you that say, okay, yes, I've done that, yes, I know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what, there's a second judgment coming. And this is one that fewer people are aware of or understand, it's talked about by the Apostle Paul when he wrote a letter to the New Corinthian church. Now listen to this, and let's read it out loud. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. All right, so look, your salvation is already done. You're already in heaven. You get the denarius equal to everybody else. You get a mansion. You are equally beloved of God. But there, here's another thing. Here, the, the question, the, this is, goes into the whole issue of your eternal future and your rewards. It's basically this question. What did you do with what I gave you? I have blessed you, I have given you many things, and what did you do with what I gave you? There, there are many, too many of our family who get saved, genuinely born again, and then they're like, they just hold on to that, and then they just kind of survive, and they you know, go through life, and they kind of exist, and they're kind of thankful, but they, they live a very small life. And there are many, 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 many scriptures that exhort us, now that you have the Spirit of God within you, now that God has blessed you, now that his hand is upon you, now that he has given you resources, he's given you the Holy Spirit, he's given you gifts, what will you do with what I have given you? And that's a very, very important thing for us to look at and to consider. Um, I want you to look at this, Matthew 16, 27. Let's read this out loud. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So here's my exhortation, and I want to speak to your spirit. Don't just be saved. I speak to your spirit. There is more to your life than just, you know, paying the bills and working toward a retirement and then getting ready to die. There's more than just existing There is a spiritual call, God has given you gifts, and you can begin to use those gifts and and engage with him. I mean, I I look at my own life and, man, I am blessed. All four of my grandparents, on the Brown side, Grandpa and Grandma Brown, Grandpa and Grandma uh, Bentley were saved, my Grandpa Brown was a carpenter, my Grandpa Bentley was a farmer. And they were all saved and they all prayed for their children and for all of their grandchildren, of which I was. And then I got saved at 11 through Billy Graham. And then I fell in love with the Lord and I started teaching Bible studies. And then my parents' house filled up. And then I went to the Calvary Chapel Bible College. And then I met my beautiful wife, Vicky, and God bless us with two wonderful children, Daniel and Annie. And then I started this church at 20 years of age. Two years after I just graduated, from the high school that I graduated from, I started Calvary Chapel in El Cajon in a cafeteria. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm serious. I was the most clueless 20-year-old pastor you've ever met in your life. But that summer, when I was 20, I got married. Uh, Vicky became pregnant with our first child, Annie. I bought my first car, a little Honda Civic that only lasted 50,000 miles, uh, you know. <laughs> And, and I quit my job, I went full-time into the ministry, and at the end of that first year, I was in poverty. All the taxes I paid, the government gave it back, and they said, oh man, you're too poor, you need all this back. <laughs> Somehow, in my early 20s, the church grew to like or 500 people. I was like, what is going on? And then God brought me to Go Horizon and work with Mike McIntosh for a couple of years, and then I came up and started a Bible study. And Mira Mesa, when I started Maranatha, it started in a rec center on Mira Mesa Boulevard. I was competing, trying to give a Bible study while high school kids were playing foosball for four weeks before we rented a little junior high. Then we rented a little junior high and God blessed it and multiplied. And the next thing you know, we're doing three services in this little auditorium and then we bought property in penasquitos. And then that blew up and we outgrew it. And then we bought 15 acres here and then we bought another 100 acres out of which 18 became the school. And now here we are today. God has blessed me with so much. But, and on top of that, I live in the United States of America. And on top of that, Sorry, but I live in Southern California, I love it. The beach, the mountains, the deserts, the do- we got everything. And I got, the, you know, Pastor Chuck was by teaching me the Bible and I have been so blessed. And to whom much is given, much is required. I want you to know this, man, you talk about you know the top echelon by you, who you are, that you are here, that you are sitting here, right here, right now, and living at this time, which I believe the Lord is coming back. I mean, the world is gonna, look, I I promise you, the world is as weird as it is now. It's gonna get weirder. That's what the Bible says. It gets weirder and weirder until the end. And then the, the glorious King of Kings comes and the kingdom of heaven will come. And what's happening right now in the world of the Middle East, you are living at one of the most exciting hours in human history. It's not about living whatever the American dream is. It's living the heavenly dream, the kingdom dream, your father's dream for you. Find your gifts and talents and show what the Lord will do through you. What did you do with what I gave for you? Amen? So I want to leave you by encouraging you. You know, we have this thing we just started a little while ago called Growth Track. And I, I, want you to, I want you to go through that. It's four weeks. Here's why. For four, And by the way, it'll start next month, you know, next Sunday for four weeks. So you find out a little who we are, where we come from, and we get to know you a little better. And then you find what is your gift or your gifts. And then where you begin, we, you begin doing something doing something that has eternal value, doing something with the gifts and resources God has given to you that will make a difference in eternity. I don't, you know, look, I'm blessed, and our church is blessed, but I'm not happy just having a successful ministry. That's great, but I'm more interested in this. I want you, this is my passion, I want you to be on fire With the the love of God, I want you to see yourself through the eyes of the Lord. I want your spirit to start seeing yourself through your identity as revealed through the Word of God. I want you to stop comparing yourself to other people. I want you to be so, not just satisfied, but so filled with joy because you see yourself as your daddy in heaven sees you and that you are anointed and that you are gifted and that you are blessed and that you are overflowing and you want to be a healer within your family, within your relationships to the next generation and with your kids and within your community. And you even see your business as now I'm a shepherd and I'm going to bring the glory and the light of Jesus Christ into the environment of the place that I work. And everywhere I go and every place my foot stands, I will bring the glory of the kingdom of heaven with me. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.